Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Good morning, family. Guys, it is great to see you, and it is great to, to have the privilege of doing life together with you. Um, we are in the middle of a series that really is targeted for those who are uh, believers and those who have, who have or are buying into the vision of the Church of Seven Run. Today, if you're not yet a believer, um, if you have not yet kind of crossed the starting line of faith and, and given your, your life to Jesus Christ, I just want to say Thank you so much for being here, and, and I really honor your journey and would ask that you continue to, uh, continue to take the next step, continue to take um, the time to have honest and, and challenging conversations about Jesus, and, um, and we're praying for you. But for those of you who are, who are there uh, as, as believers, still growing, you're not arrived completely, but you're still growing, but you're there at the Church of Seven Run. You need to know that we are in probably the most important time um, that we've been in in, in the recent history. Uh, this is a critical season. Seventeen and a half years ago, when God let me uh, have the privilege of, of becoming the, the pastor at the Church of Surround, the lead pastor, we have many pastors, um, we had a real decision to make. And the decision to make was to basically stay where we are, and ignore the need of the world around us and pretend like somebody else will, will reach those people or um, continue the faith tradition of this amazing church and, and attempt the impossible for God. We made the choice that we were going to attempt the impossible for God for one reason, because we wanted to reach as many people as possible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, uh, we, we, we began a journey that was to say, um, we believe nothing is impossible. Um, we believe that God's supply will always uh, meet our need. And, and we're going to give our all to, to trust God to, to do what can't be done, humanly speaking. And so it was, a, it was an incredible journey. And, and we're going to be telling you more, uh, some of the, those parts of the story, um, just to say that, that it really is a big, big decision to, to decide in your life whether you're going to trust God uh, for the impossible or whether you're going to kind of really just pull back and, and exist and pretend. Seventeen and a half years ago, um, we began a journey. Uh, we've worshipped in five locations, um, did portable church in three different high schools, uh, trusted God when we had no money, a church of two to three hundred people um, without any wealthy people in the church, trusted God to, to, to do an eight and a half million dollar project. This is a church with a budget of about one hundred eighty five to, to two hundred twenty thousand um, know, um, dollars, you know, and they're going to trust God to, to, to do an eight and a half million dollar project. Well, sure, because nothing's impossible with God. And I can't tell you all the times that we stood in, in places of great, great need and made a decision, do we trust the supply of God or do we not? 
when we, when we stood at places perhaps where we got a little bit comfortable and then looked around in our world and said, are we going to answer the need of the, the broken world and take the gospel to it or are we going to just kind of act like it's not there and somebody else will do it? This property itself one day uh, was just, well, first of all, it was just somebody else's property. And, and we had looked for, for land for years and our own realtor quit and would not look at this piece of property because they already had a $2 million contract on it. Um, and, and the truth was that, um, you know, there was no hope of us buying this property. But we know God. And after he quit, I went back to my desk and wrote a letter casting a vision of a church that could change the world in this area. Of a church having a generational impact on the lives of men and women and boys and girls. A church that would take the gospel message of Jesus that answers the brokenness of the world, that, that puts marriages back together, that gives the hopeless hope, that helps young people in, in middle school and high school find a reason to live and journey towards their purpose instead of deeper brokenness. And casting the vision of a church that could do that, the owners of this property said, we want to talk to you. And so we, we gathered and prayed, and the only thing that was on this property at one point was a wooden cross. And we gathered and prayed and saw something where there was nothing. Every life has a beginning and end, just like every book has a beginning and end. What we miss is that every book has chapters that have endings and new beginnings as well. In our relationships, we often miss, um, you know, the ending of a chapter and the need to write a new chapter, and we often end a relationship when we just really need to turn the page. In our lives and in our jobs, often we just need to begin a new chapter, and where we are at the church at Seven Run is at the writing of one of the greatest next chapters that we've ever written before. Because it is time for us to trust God and attempt the impossible again. We have been in this building for almost 10 years this August, and we still owe $4.75 million on this, this piece of property. Now, I personally do not have $4.75 million. Um, any of you guys? We have some of our ushers watching right now. <laughs> Anybody? Okay, so, so the simple reality is, is that we're... We believe the job isn't done yet. We believe there are still men and women and boys and girls out there who need to know Jesus. We believe that, that God isn't through. And, and so right now um, in this on-the-road campaign, we are casting the vision of God building a church of 5,000 disciples, people who are world changers, broken and yet sent into the broken world to tell the Jesus story of the life-changing love of God. And, and so we're, we're already, you know, some of you, you, you look at what we have, you say, well, this is enough. We're, we're fine. Well, that's what most churches say. Most churches don't, they, they look away from the brokenness because it's too painful. They look at all the, the people out there and they don't want to think about them uh, eternally, you know, separated from God. And so we just turn away from pain. We don't look at it. But ignoring stuff doesn't make it go away. And the simple fact is that the world is broken and the only answer is Jesus Christ. And either the church of the living God rises up and trusts God and does everything it can to win everyone it can or we forfeit our reason for being. So in this 
critical time. We're not going to do what we, what we chose not to do 17 and a half years ago. We didn't choose then to say, you know what? We're just going to play it safe and stay where we are. We're not going to worry about other people. Guys, I was a little nobody kid in a, in a very poor area uh, around Tinker Air Force Base in, in, in Midwest City in Dell City, Oklahoma. Unnoticed by most of the adults in a poor school system. Um, you know, we're just, just rocking through life, you know, unnoticed and, and really, you know, just on a path to nowhere. And then Jesus. Jesus sent some people who believed to pay attention to this son of an alcoholic when nobody else was. Jesus sent some people to speak life into my brokenness. Jesus sent some, some people to, to pay attention to a middle schooler. Middle schooler. Oh my goodness. If any of y'all work with middle schoolers, I'm not worthy. You are great. So I'm kidding. Middle schoolers, you guys are awesome. My life changed because at that time I found hope in Jesus everything changed from that point forward. That's the power of our message. And that's the critical nature of us to get this message out. So that's where we are on the road. We have to do next. We have to, to, to see that, that we're in the same place as we were when we had that empty field. I need you to see other buildings on this campus. Not as the church. They are not the church. You are the church. They're just tools that we use to reach more people for Jesus. But we, we have to believe that God can do the impossible. And so we're going we're gonna to attempt the impossible. We're asking God for $6 million. You know, four to pay off the, the, the land, uh, the, the building, and two to start our next building. Um, because we believe nothing's impossible with God. Amen? Amen. So, so guys, we're going to be reading in just a moment the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And as we believe that Jesus fed 5,000 in one day, we believe that Jesus can gather 5,000 again uh, in the church at Seven Run as disciples and, and feeding on the word of God, send them out into the broken world. And I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that if we give our all, that God will gather 5,000 disciples um, on this and other campuses and, and we will be a part of encouraging other churches and other believers and loosing our tongues to tell the story of Jesus and putting uh, families back together and, and joining fathers and sons and daughters and, and just the redeeming work of God if we will give God our all. And so I'm going to ask you in the days to come to, to truly decide what you believe about the truth of the gospel and what your place is going to be in it. If we choose business as usual, we will fail in this critical chapter of the church at Severn Run. But if we give our all, then watch out because the kingdom of heaven is going is to come in, in people's lives. What I want to share with you this morning, the main thing is that all is never small in the hands of Jesus. And I, you know what I'm going to do next, don't you? I'm so predictable. What am I going to do? Maybe you don't know what I'm going to do next. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to have you do next. I'm going to have you say it with me, right? So let's do it right now. All is never small in the hands of Jesus. This time when we say it, I want us to emphasize never, okay? And, and when you think about all, I want you to think about your all. So let's say it together. All is never small in the hands of Jesus. And now I'm so predictable, at least I think, that you know what I'm going to have you do next. Just so your neighbor does not miss anything. 
would you graciously turn to them and share with them this amazing life-changing truth? Go ahead. Our purpose is to reach as many people as possible uh, by creatively revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. That's what we're about. And as we, as we go about uh, valuing every single life, noticing everyone around us, not writing anybody off, believing for people who can't yet believe for themselves, seeing broken people and not seeing in them their worthlessness, but seeing in them the infinite worth that God Almighty has placed in them. Seeing that, we're going to give our all. And we're going to believe that it will be enough to accomplish the eternal purposes of God because all is never small in the hands of Jesus. Ever, ever, ever. And as a church in the days to come, we're going to love well. The church historically has failed to love well so often. I mean, throughout the Middle Ages, I mean, the American church failed to love well during the days of integration. Uh, what a tragedy. The church has failed so often because it just went along with what was going along in culture. We're not going to do that. Guys, we are going to love well. We're going to anticipate the return of Jesus. We're going to think ahead about the time uh, that we will be standing in front of God. And knowing that exam is coming, we're going to get it right. We're going to love well. We're going to live Jesus. That's what we're talking about, about being missional, about, about going out into the broken places and, and, and sharing Jesus. The truth is, most of us here are educated way beyond our obedience. Jesus never made a single disciple by sending anybody into a classroom. He took them out on the road. He took them out to, to serve and love broken people. So we want to invite you into the well, the Transformation Center. Um, we want to, to invite you to come and be a part of our, our, um, you know, our, our, our gathering of those who, who are without homes in the, in the community when they, when they gather here. We want to go out into Catonsville and to, to Curtis Bay and to, to Brooklyn, Brooklyn Park and to Baltimore City. We want to go out into, into, into our own county. We want to live Jesus. And through all this, we're going to believe big because nothing's impossible with God. See, two things, as we get ready to tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000, one of the things that keeps us shut down and frozen is we don't think we have enough. I mean, we, we don't. We're all selfish. We really are, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and we don't think we have enough and, and we have this scarcity mentality. But the truth is, the truth, the eternal truth is that in everything that is eternally right, I will always have enough. In everything that has to do with the will of God and obedience to the call of God, I will always have enough. Always. And, and, and in a deeper truth beyond that is in everything that is eternal or eternally right through Jesus and his love, I will always be enough. Because we're human beings, not human doings. Some of you here, one of the deepest fears in your life is that you are not enough. You're not up to the task. Men, the deep truth is that is unspoken by many of you is that you're really wondering if you have what it takes to be a man. And answering that question uh, gets played out in some really destructive ways, uh, you know, trying to prove that, that you have enough because 
Men, too many of you didn't have fathers who told you that you had what it takes. But I'm going to tell you, if you've never had an older guy tell you you have what it takes, you're, you're hearing an older guy tell you right now. Because of what God has given you, because of how God designed you and loved you and what he gifted you with, you have enough. So don't be afraid. Just do it. Guys, we will always be enough in Jesus. And the promise of Scripture is that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. As a church, most churches do not believe this. Most churches look around and go, oh, the economy is so bad, we can't do anything. Forget the economy. We live on the economy of God, okay? Most, most churches look around and say, well, America is just so secular. Well, you want to know why that's true? Because the church ain't being the church. Because the church doesn't really believe its own gospel. Because the church is embarrassed by the name of Jesus, Because the church does not really believe that the gospel has the power to change human life. Well, I believe that. And and the truth is that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And the scripture also goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God has given us everything we need. Um, He's making all grace abound to us. Now, I want you to listen to all these alls, okay? I could say y'all listen to all these alls, all right, for, for you southern transplants here. God is able to make all grace abound. He does not have a hard or bad heart towards you. He is not mad at you. He is not withholding himself from you. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having everything you need, you lack nothing to win. You lack nothing to to finish the race strong. You lack nothing to to be who God created you to be, who God imagined you to be. All of you who are parents, you know that you have imagined the best for your child, but you cannot imagine the best that God has imagined for you as his child. But try And then live up to it in this, the truth of this provision, having all that we need, we may abound in every good work. This is the promise of God. So as we get ready to read the story of the feeding of the 5,000, as we talk about becoming a church of 5,000 for for the sake of of that being a drop in the bucket to reach the the, the 5 million or the 10 million or or the, the world, but it's our small start, Okay. It's our preparation for our final exam in the presence of Jesus when Jesus says, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you you dig a hole or did you give me a great return on my investment? As we prepare for for offering Jesus back all that he's given us uh, and, and, and meeting him face to face, you need to know that the gospel that we preach, the gospel that comes from, from the life of Jesus is, is not about, you know, a ritual. It's not about, uh, you know, the church that you grew up in. It's not about, uh, you know, your Catholicism or your Presbyterianism or your Baptist. It's not about any of that. It's about a new heart. And so if you believe the gospel, your heart is going to beat with the heart of Jesus. 
And when God leans down and puts his ear on your chest, he's not going to hear your old broken heart beating for yourself and, and crying about the lostness of the world. God's going to hear his own son's heart beating inside of you because you're so radically changed. Let's, let's just take a look at a, at a quick illustration of how that can be true. So you remember the picture of Jordan lying in the hospital with all the tubes hooked up to her? You know, um, you can tell who has a new heart and who doesn't. You can tell which believer has a new heart and which doesn't. You can tell which church is beating with the heartbeat of Jesus and which isn't. The one that isn't is lying in the hospital bed hooked up to a bunch of tubes just fighting for survival. The one that has the new heart is up and around and running and playing and enjoying the, the, the gift of life. I'm telling you, this gospel we preach is a gospel of a real Savior. The real Son of God actually came down, invaded time on planet Earth. He really lived. He really talked. He, he's real. And on the third day, he truly rose again. But we have to decide what we believe. And when we really believe with all that we are, beyond a churchiness, beyond religion, when we truly believe, what that believing does is not educate our mind. It replaces our heart. It doesn't just inform our knowledge. It gives us a new energy. Our broken is beginning to be healed. A new life comes in and energy and we are free. So guys, in the name of Jesus, I'm about to tell you the story that's impossible. It's a story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people from, from two fish and five loaves. And you and I need to decide whether or not we really believe this actually happened. No, no, I'm serious. Take just a moment and, and think about it as I tell the story and, and ask yourself, do I honestly believe this really happened in time? And if it did happen, so what? What does it mean? It, it wasn't Jesus establishing a new uh, food distribution program for all hungry people through all time. So what does it mean and what does it mean in my time? Why did Jesus do this and what is he saying to me and about what I have and about the need in my world? Jesus had just lost his friend, John the Baptist. John the Baptist had just been murdered in, in a most humiliating way. His head served on a platter and Jesus was devastated. Jesus was reeling. Jesus wept and cried, we, we are told, as a human being. And Jesus just wanted to get away and to be with God and to, to grieve and, and to just to allow his father to, to speak. And so in Matthew 14, 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He wanted to be alone. But hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. This, this, this building massive need gathered all around him. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed the sick. You need to as you think about this story, if you dare to believe that it actually happened, then the only way that you and I really believe that is if this story begins to beat inside of our hearts and our chest and, and you see Jesus looking at you with compassion and you see Jesus being willing to reach into your brokenness and 
to bring his healing and his hope. The scripture doesn't tell us on this occasion that Jesus uh, stood up and taught like on the Sermon on the Mount, you know. It just says that all day Jesus went around healing people. I mean, people are, are standing around and sitting around and, and, and Jesus walks up to a family and he listens. Perhaps he, he kneels down and, and, and looks into the face of a child and reaches up and touches the child. He listens to the, the tears of a mother talk about her dying child and Jesus, he just reaches out his hand and he makes life whole. And every act of compassion and every miracle he does throughout all the day, he's revealing, revealing, revealing the truth of who he is and what he can do if people believe. At the end of the day, as evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So, Jesus, send the crowds away. Let me just pause and say, it's probably not best for us to give God advice or tell God what to do, although I've done it many, many, many times. It, this sounds utterly ridiculous. Hey, God of the universe, we've assessed the situation. Here's the best way to, to make the play. Send them away uh, because the, the crowds are hungry. This is a remote place. And they can go into the village and they can buy themselves some food. And what we have here is, is a picture of, of us with old hearts. Because you see, all day long, these 12 had been around Jesus as he's lived the miraculous among the broken. All day long, Jesus has been healing people. And, and they've seen people whose legs have never walked, they've seen them walk. They, they saw that day people who could not hear, hear for the first time, um, you know, the, the sounds of, of the wind and the birds and, and voices. All day long they saw the miraculous, but they never made the connection to the need that was next. Do you use your imagination in your faith? Did you ever realize you were supposed to? Because you are. Here's what faith should have done in this moment. <laughs> Jesus, this has been an amazing day. We've seen so many people suffering and hurting and, and, and you love them well and, and everybody that came to you, you made them whole. So Jesus, people are hungry now. What are you gonna do next? This is gonna be awesome, Jesus. In light of all that you've done, we just, Jesus, are looking forward to what you're going to do next. That's not what happened. They, in spite of all that they'd seen all through the day, they saw nothing, and we are so like them. God's done amazing things at the church at Seven Run, but, but so what? What is next? What is God going to do? Um, what are we going to let God do through us? Because there's overwhelming need around us. There are, there are beautiful people who are broken. There are lonely people who are wondering if there's any reason to live. There are, there are people who are wasting their lives. When God has this astonishingly creative, beautiful purpose for them, if, if, if only they were invited into the story. Jesus, send them away. The need's too big. They can, they can go take care of themselves. And Jesus said something amazing. 
They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus, we don't have enough. Um, all that we have is five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, we know something about this, right? Think about this. All they had was, was five loaves of bread and two fish. But all is never small in the hands of Jesus. There's 5,000 men here, which means there's probably 15 to 20,000 women and children here. And, and there's no way this is enough. Some of you look at your resources and you think there's no way, Pastor Drew, that we can be significantly a part of God doing anything to, to expand his kingdom here at the churches of run. If, if you give your all there is, some of you look at life and you just simply say, I don't have enough. I'm, I'm, I'm destined to fail. And we have this hard heart towards God to say, you're not good. You didn't give me enough. And God looks at us in love and compassion and just says, all I want is all you have. And, and I'm telling you, we, we, we transition from, from empty and dull and lifeless and unattractive religion into the kingdom of heaven the moment we're willing to give our all to Jesus. That's when something comes alive in us. That's when the heart of Jesus takes us begins to beat inside of us and, and we are free, just like little Jordan. Bring them to me, Jesus said. And sure enough, they gave the two loaves and the, the, the five fish and the two loaves. And, and think about even the person giving that. That was their lunch. So what's really gonna happen in that person's mind is, oh, I'm not gonna get to eat. Any of y'all ever gone to the fridge to finish off something and it was already gone? Has that happened to you? And my first thought in that was, that was mine. You know, I deserve that. You know? And, and, and this guy's giving up his all going, I'm going to be hungry today. <laughs> you know? But he gave it all to Jesus. Jesus directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Now I want you to picture how this goes. Everybody's... 20,000 people are gathered in these little groups and, and there's this little basket and, and, and so imagine being at the first of this whole event and, and you see, you know, you see the two fish going there and the five loaves, right? You see, you see Jesus take one loaf each and put it into five baskets. So there's five of you and, and you just saw this happen and, and, and you get the first reach into the basket and you're all happy because you know there was one piece of bread put in there and it's yours, you reach in there and you grab you a piece of bread and you're all smiling because I'm going to get to eat today. The next guy's going, aw, he got the only piece. <laughs> Darn it. But they, they pass you the basket and you're going, what's the point? I saw the only piece of bread get taken out. But you look at Jesus and there's been amazing things happen around him all day and you say, okay. And you reach in and you feel piece of bread take it out and you put it there and you reach back in and you see a second piece and you take it and you put it here and the first guy's going I didn't know there was more than one piece in there I ought to take the two and you take a third piece and you eat and then you pass it on and that person has all that they need and the next and the next and the next did this really happen and if it really happened what does it 
really mean for you and I today in our lives, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our, our journey as a church? What does it mean? It means that all is never, ever, ever small in the hands of Jesus. And it means the question for everything is, will I give my all? Or will I keep it back in fear, in a scarcity mentality? Guys, when I talk about your being great, I'm not talking about your being great like the world talks about greatness. The world has no clue what great is. The world thinks somebody is great if it has 50,000 followers on Twitter. I say they may just be twits, you know? <laughs> In the kingdom, you are great when your father looks at you and sees his son. In the kingdom, you are great when self has died and, and the son lives inside of you. In the kingdom, you will be celebrated forever as you give your life away on mission for Jesus. I'm telling you, uh, you know, I'm not middle-aged because I'm not living to 108, you know? And one day, I don't even know when, it's probably gonna catch me by surprise. Hope it's not painful. But one day, in a blink of an eye, I'm gonna be translated into eternity. And in that moment, nothing else will have been, it will matter or even been important. It's just Jesus. Prior to that day, you and I have the gospel of Jesus Christ on our hands. It is the answer to every broken thing in the world. It is the power of God to save a world and to change a nation, to resurrect a city, to unite the races. It is the power of God to give you the greatest life that, that is bigger than even you can imagine. It is everything. But do we want to be like Jordan with the old heart dying or the new heart dancing? Do we want to hold on to our little lunch that we're going to eat once and go hungry again or give our all away? So here's the choice today. With these eyes of ours as we interpret reality to only look around and see broken to see overwhelmed, to see too much need, to see I can't, to see not enough, to see, um, you know, fear, to live stuck in and then fill in the blank with whatever it is that you're stuck in. I'm stuck in this marriage. I'm stuck in my sadness. I'm stuck in my abuse from the past. I'm stuck in my alcoholism. I'm stuck in this rat race I'm running to try to prove that I am somebody at work. We have the choice to live overwhelmed and shut down or giving our all, placing it in the hands of Jesus and, and to receive the heart of the gospel. And now we live seeing reality different. Now we can choose to imagine heaven's win and then to give Jesus our everything to make that happen in our lives, our homes, our jobs, our church during our short season of life.
Will you give Jesus your all, even if you think it's incredibly small? I'm going to ask you to stand together. And I'm going to ask you uh, today to make this altar a place where you, first of all, pray for your church. And ask God to do the impossible um, and to, to, to uh, unleash the gospel story uh, of this miraculous love of God in our broken world. Pray for your church. I'm going to ask you to come and kneel and, and in your own journey to, to offer God your small, your little, and believe that in his hands it's just exponentially uh, enlarged and increased in amazing, astonishing, life-changing ways. And if you've never accepted Jesus, I'm going to ask you to today get a new heart and to cross the starting line of faith. It's, it's right there on the back of the worship bulletin. There'll be people down here afterwards to tell you, maybe you came with a, a follower of Christ. Just turn to them and say, hey, how do I accept Jesus? And they'll tell you. But right now, let's respond by kneeling, by surrendering, by believing and let's see the kingdom come to life in miraculous ways. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.